listening to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mayer, this Monday afternoon. Let's turn to our very first guest of the week. Uh, in the next fifteen minutes or so, we're talking about managing relationships in a post-COVID nineteen world. That's right, we're looking ahead. There is hope, and I'm really delighted to be joined once again by Alison Alexa, who is a psychotherapist and head of corporate psychology at OTMP MindWorks. Welcome back on the One Two Three Show, Alison. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Noreen, for having me. We are also live on Facebook as well. For those of you who want to see and hear the conversation via Facebook, do so. The Facebook page is Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. And feel free to perhaps comment and maybe share your own experiences. Now, I'm sure by now everyone is just about praying for, for the vaccine for, for COVID-19. And I see that several vaccines uh, may be on the horizon. How might this impact couples? I think it's also worth noting that it was a husband and wife team behind the leading vaccine uh, by the German company BioNTech. I think it's Dr. Uga Shaheen and also Dr. Oslim Teresi. So maybe there's some truth to couples inventing this vaccine. Absolutely, Noreen. And I think it's certainly not a coincidence we could ignore. So I think a lot of us this past year have really kind of felt the weight of the pandemic in so many ways, right? Financially, personally, but Certainly for those of us who are part of a couple, um, we've really felt the weight of this in different ways. And I think, you know, the vaccine overall is kind of providing the biggest exhale of the year, right? We don't know when it's going to be here. We don't know what it entails in terms of getting it. We don't know how good the immunity is with it, but it is truly the biggest exhale. And a lot of the couples I'm seeing right now just in the clinic are really just looking forward to hopefully experiencing some more latitude of movement. And that means, right, being able to go places and feel like they just are able to experience more as opposed to just being contained in one space. Another big question, Noreen, with the vaccine is how it's going to impact couples who have been separated because of the pandemic. So because I work, right, with a lot of people who are part of couples um, whereby one person might be in Hong Kong and the other person might be in another country. A lot of people over this past year have been navigating long distance relationships. So there's one challenge of being contained in an apartment with someone during the pandemic, and that presents certain challenges. But the other side of that coin for this year has been the couples who have been separated because of distance, because of the inability to travel. Um, and all the challenges with the quarantine. So I think it's providing, you know, overall just that collective exhale. And for the couples, right, who have been all kind of um, together for this past year, hopefully some more freedom of movement. And for the people who have been separated, it's actually bringing about, you know, big questions in terms of once they are together again, you know, has their relationship changed in such a way that the connection is just as strong as it was you know, before the pandemic. And that's not to be a pessimist because my expectation is some people will find that the answer is yes, but there will be a big group of people who will reunite and notice that not only has the world changed, but so too have their relationships. Wow. I'm sure you work with a a lot of couples and it sounds like couples with different dynamics also. Let's talk about perhaps the specific challenges um, that a post-COVID world will pose for, for, for couples. Yeah, so I think, you know, in terms of this latitude that we're all looking for, right, I'm all at this point looking at the vaccine to hopefully provide that. 
Um, you know, travel hopefully will start to open up a bit more, obviously still using a lot of caution, but hopefully that will start to unfold over the next year. Um, people may or may not start returning to the office more, right? But I think this is really a reckoning for couples in terms of trying to understand, you know, what might be a healthier balance. So, of course, some couples really kind of delight in spending lots of time together, um, you know, being in, a, in an apartment for long periods of time actually has fed their relationship. So there is a small percentage of those couples out there who have really kind of benefited from uh, what this year has offered them. But most couples need to, over the next year, kind of figure out what's a healthier balance. So just in terms of figuring out kind of, you know, if one is going to be returning to work, you know, what does that mean in terms of family responsibilities? Um, also, couples are going to have to reckon with how the vaccine and how the different precautions may land differently with each person. So one person in the couple may be very comforted by the vaccine or may feel, you know, more, more sense of freedom in terms of movement, whereas other people are quite traumatized and irrespective of a vaccine or not, some people really do feel quite um, kind of concerned about going out there. So, you know, a lot of us, regardless vaccine or not, are very much going to be left with these skid marks from COVID. And we're just going to have to kind of step back and look at, you know, what has this year really presented in terms of challenges. And they've come in the form of financial loss, redundancies. People in the couple have experienced high levels of anxiety. People haven't been able to visit family members. Uh, there have been childcare challenges. And again, those don't go away with a vaccine, but it just provides hopefully some more space to discuss, you know, how we can achieve at least a bit more balance. Yeah, at least there's something to look forward to, the vaccines and, and a sort of relief. Well, let's talk about that yeah. sort of, you know, looking forward to what, what can people start to look forward to um, in a post-COVID world for couples? Yeah, I mean, I think that resuming some activities, even if it's just in our mind, Noreen, even if we don't actually go about and do anything differently, I think just knowing that we may have the freedom to do so can really allow people just emotionally, again, to have that that sense of exhale. And so because of that, it will hopefully allow couples to have more to play with in terms of you know, again, overall having a healthier mindset, feeling more optimism, hopefully for a post-COVID world. But also, you know, what some of the things that we might look forward to include maybe more realistic thinking about, you know, what we do want to do with our time and our lives, right? And also really kind of, you know, looking to perhaps some of the deep connection that we felt over this past year and hopefully kind of translating that into the post-COVID world. Yeah, I remember us having this conversation sort of last time. I think it's sort of yeah. you get this one shot in life. What do you want out of it? What do you want to prioritize? What's Absolutely. most important for you? Um, and what are the things that you can sort of let go? Um, I'm sure there'll be lots of lessons learned, um, including for couples. What sorts of lessons have you heard? I mean, what did COVID teach couples um, that, that you've seen? Yeah, for this one, you know what, I'm going to forget about all the, the, the psychological wisdom that's been imparted upon us over this past year. And I'm going to go back years in the making and quote really Winston Churchill when he said that we really never want to let a good crisis go to waste. And I think with that, this is really the reckoning, right? End of the year, vaccine on the horizon, 
to start to sort through as couples, you know, what have you learned over this past year and what have been the unique challenges? So some of the things that I'm hearing, Noreen, in terms of some of the initial kind of reckoning that's coming from couples include things like being able to plan more clearly for emergencies or a crisis, right? Now, if we were to roll back the clock, you know, a couple of years ago, it would be hard to find anyone who really predicted to a T how COVID would unfold. So I think people are really just trying to plan for the eventuality of different emergencies in the future without giving it a specific name or a specific shape or give it specific details, but just starting to feel like perhaps they are more equipped. Now with that, right, that includes planning for, you know, financial challenges, child care challenges, um, family challenges, and really starting to look around and say, look, within those different challenges that we might anticipate, again, can't give those challenges a specific name or shape, what are things that we might proactively do right now? Do we need to buy different types of insurance? Might that include life insurance? Do we as a couple need to set up a contingency plan, right? What if we are separated in the future? Do we want to really kind of stay where we're at? Or do we want to try to, you know, make a movement elsewhere? And that can be in terms of actual living space. That can mean in terms of jobs. But really, again, sort of reckoning with the need to plan and the need to really, you know, understand our choices with a different perspective. Another thing that I've heard, you know, a lot of couples just coming to is this idea that, you know, again, we can plan all we want, but there is a sense of kind of lack of control. And some people are even finding, I think, some uh, comfort in that, Noreen. I think really, you know, if you are part of a strong couple, you've kind of been able to, even amongst, you know, the, the three million challenges 2020 has presented us with, we've really been able to kind of feel that sense of coming together as a team. So you mentioned, right, when we started this, uh, when we started just chatting about what couples have learned, you were reflecting back on the conversation we had earlier about the existential arrow hitting a lot of us over this past year. And that's true with couples, right, where they're, again, learning to reckon with what do they want, who do they want to spend their times with, right? Do they really want to stay in the couple? Uh, do they not? And ultimately, how can they do things differently so that they do feel more prepared, but also admit to this lack of control? Yeah. Um, you know, there are long-term couples and then there are couples who have just started dating as well. What you oh, mentioned yes. just now, uh, you know, this long distance relationship. Uh, let's perhaps mm. talk, uh, let, let's perhaps also talk about how COVID has sort of caused any impacts on, on couples who are dating, who perhaps can't show their true colors just yet. I mean, we're married, so occasionally poor Andy <laughs> gets, you know, gets to see the long face occasionally. But when you're sort of dating or starting out dating, there's a lot that you, you, you can't really you you can't really you can't really unload your stress on on the other couple well you can but you know it's not that that nice i suppose yeah so so i think if we're wondering right has it caused really kind of any long-standing impacts on dating i mean sure time is going to tell right but if i were sitting here right here right now as a betting therapist i'd absolutely put my money on yes COVID has caused long-standing impacts on dating. And again, not necessarily all negative, but certainly there are long-standing impacts. So what I am forecasting are kind of two potential extreme outgrowths. 
And for those who are listening, sure, feel free to tell me, you know, by email or, or by chat that, of course, there are a lot of people navigating in the middle. But I do think that there will be these two potential extreme outgrowths. So first outgrowth is going to be that people are starting to feel the weight of connection more profoundly. In other words, dating apps, if you look at their usage over 2020, it was through the roof. I think most dating apps are reporting their, their best year ever in terms of um, the amount of users and the amount of traffic that they're getting. But of course, the dating apps have also reported that people are not meeting as much in person, and that's for obvious reasons. Gosh, I so I think now people going on those apps. <laughs> I, I don't check those. <laughs> those. Those I stick my head in the sand. Um, <laughs> so I think you know some people are just really feeling so so hungry for connection, and have had so much time to sort of sit with you know how they do want to spend their time going forward and and with whom, that I think you will see these kind of really profound connections forming amongst people who are dating. Now, the other side of that coin, my other side of the prediction is that some people, because of the crisis, will feel like they have this desire to be more reckless, kind of more seizing on the day mindset. And so crises are interesting psychologically because for some people they do connect uh, people with very deep existential truths, right, or at least encourage them to reckon with how they can live their life differently, what it all means, who they want to spend their time with. But other people feel such a deep level of anxiety with, with crises that they tend to be more impulsive and more reckless because the thinking goes that, you know, life is short, might as well go out there and meet as many people as possible. So I think those will be two outgrowths. Um, on a more kind of superficial level, I think people will be, you know, asking each other if they've been vaccinated, right? I think, you know, people might ask each other more about precautions that you're taking in terms of, you know, health decisions. Um, there will be just more discussions about COVID, I'm sure, over the next year. People will be reflecting on the experiences that they had. Um, and I think overall, we will see a lot more dating next year, especially post-vaccine. Will it take a different shape? Yes, absolutely. Do I think there will be two extreme outgrowths? Probably, but people really are, at the end of the day, Noreen, hungry for connection. And a crisis can only do one thing, which is embolden that feeling that most of us have in ourselves, which is, you know, we do want to be with other people. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and some of us are, are in, in long uh, relationships and sometimes you can really feel the strain within a relationship, especially in times of COVID, which perhaps can exacerbate these sort of anxiety and these feelings. Mm. How can couples reset or sort of restart uh, a strained relationship? I think I may have just lost you there, um, Alison. Maybe I'll just re yes. repeat that uh, question Please. again. Yes. Um, and it's about how, how couples can reset or restart um, a, a sort of strained relationship. Yeah. You know what? It's amazing, Noreen, over the past few months, and I'm getting it even you know, more and more as the, the vaccines on the horizon, couples are coming into the counseling room using that word reset. You know, and they're really starting to understand, look, how much over the past year have we struggled, right? And to no doubt, every every couple has struggled over the past year. But starting to really being able to name what the specific stressors were, right? So, of course, looking globally at the stressors, looking broadly, but then really starting to zoom in 
and say, look, what have been the challenges? What have we learned? What do we want to move forward? And what do we want to try to eradicate? What has become poisonous over the past year? And so I think to reset, we can't just kind of, you know, try to erase this past year and say, oh, you know, 2020 was just challenging and it didn't, you know, let's just sort of wipe it away from our history. But I think taking an honest reckoning with the past year and starting to divide it into different buckets, right? So what have we learned? What has really surprised us in good ways, right? What has been challenging? What has been a particular poison? I think that is really the beginning of a true reset. I think the other thing in terms of couples resetting is the only way to do that is to adopt a team mindset. So this is, again, this is the mindset that I see with the couples who are healthiest. When they speak as if they are a team, when they are really curious about the other's emotional experiences, when they're really curious about the other person's needs and trying as best as they can to meet those needs, those are the couples that I think are gonna fare best with this whole notion of kind of resetting. And it's sometimes, you know, not what you fight about, it's how you fight and, and how you sort of manage those expectations and and, and be yes. fair to, to, towards each other. Now, sometimes a relationship isn't just simply between two people. Um, there may be yeah. children involved and an extended family. And, and it's not always easy, but how can we contain frustration and anger to not let it sort of spill into, <laughs> I've tried to think of a different word, but the different stakeholders of the family, yeah. you know, in, into extended families or, or affecting children? Yeah, it's funny. You know, a lot of people, Noreen, have asked this over the past year of kind of like, what do I do with this anger? Right. And anger, again, is going to take a different shape and have a different intensity for all of us. But a lot of people are feeling angry and they're feeling frustrated. And the first thing that I try to do in, in, in the counseling room is just step back and say, our job together is to normalize the anger. Anger is a human emotion like any other, but we have to work together not to indulge it, right? Not to let it grow to proportions that are actually out of proportion to what it is, the challenges, right, that you're facing. So anger psychologically is what's called the secondary emotion which means that when you look under the hood and you really look below the, the tip of the iceberg and you look under the hood, you see that underneath anger are things like sadness, disappointment, frustration that you mentioned. And so what I try to do is to first normalize it, second, try to get people to look under the hood, to name some of the more primary emotions, and to think about with this, ang with this anger, right, what is it telling us? Like if you were to read the anger like a letter, what would the letter say? Is it telling you that you need more time by yourself? Is it telling you that you need more help? Is it telling you that you feel out of control or the sense of um, lack of control over this year has been overwhelming? Is it telling you that you're disappointed by maybe how your partner has responded to the crisis? But what are the messages underneath? And, you know, I quoted Winston Churchill earlier, so I better do my best as a therapist to, to come back to my field. And I'll quote, you know, what, what Freud once said, which is that sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. So sometimes, Noreen, with the anger, it's just anger. And people, right, they need to sort of express it in different ways. Go boxing, punch a pillow, you know, paint something, dance around, just sort of get it out. 
But for most people, it's really kind of pointing to something much bigger and pointing to something that needs to be expressed to the other person in a couple or else the anger can become poisonous. Yeah, and communication is key and also being empathetic uh, towards each other. Chuck Wan on the Facebook page says, uh, doctors uh, receiving the same sort of treatment at least to make our doctors sympathetic to patients who have similar phobias. That thought comes from Chuck Wan. Well, many thanks. Thanks once again uh, for your comment. Yes, the doctors um, should be more sympathetic towards their patients if they're going through uh, stressful times. And meanwhile, um, Alison, thank you so much once again for your time uh, this week. Remind our listeners once again, how can we find out more about you and your work? Have you got a website that we can visit? Yes, absolutely. So listeners can go to www.otnp.com. So that's OT. ANDP.com, and I practice Noreen at OTMP's dedicated therapy clinic called MindWorks. That's M-I-N-D-W-O-R-X. Excellent. Well, Alison, pleasure to speak to you again, and I look forward to chatting you you. again, uh, hopefully next month. Thank you very much indeed for your time. Thank you so much, Noreen. Thank you.